You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope, where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. Is revealed. Now, may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord equip us and inspire us through his word this morning. You may be seated. So, yesterday, wow. You guys for a little small church plant group team fam whatever word you want to call what what we are tribe um church is the good word church means the the assembly of the people the people of god man candy and the parking lot was covered and if you don't believe it if you weren't here go look at our facebook page and look at this it's ridiculous just this parking lot with 10,000 eggs and we have a candy in those eggs and we had crews that, 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 that took care of getting uh, additional things. And we had cupcakes and a whole bunch of drinks. Like we just gave away. And uh, so we had less kids show up than we thought would show up. So we just, just bless them. We got all the candy we could want. And they got lots of cupcakes, which was, that's a major blessing. And so I thought, man, Easter, I, I love Easter eggs. It's like you know what's inside, right? Like you never know. It's like it could be, you know, something sweet and chocolate, fruity. You know, I've even opened one time and put that. That's right. I've been a butterfly. I thought it was fun. So, man, everybody else got Easter eggs. Like in church, we should get some Easter eggs, right? There you go. You don't even have to hunt for them. I'll bring them right to you. Hey, catch it, catch it. Hey, come on. You, you guys, you guys rocked it yesterday. Forget about the egg. Go way back, back in the back. Ooh, look out! Here we go. Oh, coming in. Come back, come on. <laughs> you catch one. You got a cape on. Why you didn't catch your egg? Heads up. Oh, I just caught that one. All right, I got to give all these away. Yeah, I got. And, then, and plus, you get to go home and say, "Hey, my pastor gave me a kiss today." Ha <laughs> ha! Here, you can have that one for that right there. Here you go, Candace. Just because you did all the all the extra work of being in charge of yesterday's thing, good job. And uh, I don't know, one more. Sis. Here you go. You can have that one right there. Now, the thing about about Easter eggs for me, it's like it's a reminder that spring is here, right? It's like. Easter and spring, that's how like the name Easter actually got put on Resurrection Day anyway. It's, it's this time of year when spring comes and there was this fertility goddess who was not a real goddess, but her, and the name of this goddess was Esther and, and they had a, it's kind of like Easter and, and it was this idea that bunnies and eggs were symbols of fertility. So they, because they're symbols of springtime when everything's made new, the flowers are coming up, you know, the, there's, the birds are having babies and I've got a, a, bird, a bluebird house at, at, right outside my window and the, they've laid eggs already and there's already little chirps in there and like, oh yeah, I like that sound, the little cheep cheep of baby birds. All things are being made new. I love this about spring and I love Easter 
Because Easter's about the resurrection first and foremost, which is the central part of my entire life. But also, I really like Easter candy, y'all. And I'm somebody who's like cut sugar out of my diet except for on Sundays. So on Easter Sunday, it happens. And it happens for, like I got my peeps are at home waiting for me right now. I'm telling you, my, my peeps are at home. But there's one egg that's left. Open it up and it's empty inside. And that's, for me, I open that up and I'm like, it's a gift to open up an Easter egg and you get empty. That's a gift. But the greatest gift of all was when Jesus was and he was when the tomb was empty. I mean, that's what resurrection is like. It's good to be able to open up something and get a present out, but very seldom do we get nothing and consider that a great gift. But in this case, it's the greatest gift of all, that Jesus is, is alive. He's not in the grave. He wasn't in the grave then. He's not in the grave now. And so we get to celebrate that Jesus is the true one who makes all things new. Spring is all about all things being new. Jesus is the one. And that's why the Christians began to take that, that other uh, festival to Esther, Easter, and it became now the resurrection because they both fell because of the way springtime comes every year. The Passover is based on when spring comes. And so was this other festival of Esther. And so they put them together and said, you know what? Esther is not a real goddess, but Jesus is a real God. And so they, they co-opted Easter. And now we get bunnies and eggs, but we have the true meaning of Easter, which is the resurrection. It's my favorite part of spring, the whole deal of Easter. So it's Easter Sunday, and today we're wrapping up this series, and we've done three-week series. Uh, we've been calling Jesus Is. And it's like we've been looking at how Jesus is prophet, priest, and king, and why that matters to us in our lives today. So we've been kind of going through Hebrews uh, a little bit, just three different spots in Hebrews. And so today we're wrapping it up with this passage that we've read from Hebrews 13. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that this morning. But first, here's the big idea. Jesus is alive. The resurrection gives us strength to do great things. Jesus is alive. That's good news because this gives us strength to do great things. So we'll kind of get more about what that means as we go. So here's the first, like, thing I want to sit in for just a minute. And it's that Jesus matters. Why Jesus matters? Because he is risen indeed. Now, maybe you've heard this, this little phrase on Easter before, where one person will say, like, he is risen. And the rest of the folks will reply, he is risen indeed. indeed. That's right. He is risen indeed. This, is a, th- this, this tradition, this greeting has been around for centuries. And actually probably originated in Russia. And it was uh, among these early followers of Jesus in the Eastern Orthodox churches. And, 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 and they would greet each other with this greeting. Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed. So today, anytime that I say he is risen or Jesus is risen, I want you to stop what you're doing and say he is risen indeed. Let's try it real quick. He is risen. He is risen indeed. That's pretty good, Awaken Church. If you're watching online live right now, please do that. Especially if you're like in the library or somewhere. Just, just belt it out. He's risen indeed. That would be great. <laughs> Library's closed today. Man, bad timing. If you're watching this on the delayed tape or on YouTube, do it anyway. He is risen indeed. So here's the thing. that This, this, this word for in Russian, the word that's, that's for the day Sunday, is actually the word resurrection. That's really cool, that their word for the day Sunday is actually the word resurrection. And so this word, he is risen indeed, his, the word resurrection has become for a, a, not just a tradition, but it's something that's persevered and encouraged the people through difficult times, through, uh, through, through leaders such as Stalin, 
who was a very uh, rough leader, through atheistic regimes like the Soviet Union. They kept this tradition. It kept them encouraged all the way through this. Is there a word or a phrase that helps you through difficult times? And if you, if you can think of something real quick, just let's share it. Let's take just a minute to share. Is there a word or phrase that really helps you through difficult times? You got to see the bottom of the hole to see the top. Okay, that's a that's a little a saying. That's I I never heard that before, but it makes sense. What else? Learn how to deal with the valleys. The mountains will take care of themselves. Learn how to deal with the valleys. The mountains take care of themselves. Good. Anything else? Any other a word or a phrase that really encourages you encourages you during a difficult time? I think just someone saying I love you or I'm thinking about you. I love you. I was thinking about you. Good, yeah. Anybody else? Anybody? No one cut anybody off. You? Yes, sir. The sparrow. If I take care of the birds. Yeah, from the scriptures, Jesus says, "Look at the sparrows. I take care of the sparrows. I make sure they get food. Surely I take care of you." Don't worry about what you got to wear. Yeah. Where's your food coming from the next day? Right. Absolutely. Good. A word that's become a source of encouragement and empowerment for me is the word resurrection. You got one? I'm proud of you. Well, that's empowering, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. This word resurrection is one that makes me remember how God looks at me and says, I'm proud of you. And it's not because of anything I've done. It's just because I'm his son. And he does the same thing with every one of you. Maybe you've never felt that or sensed that or heard that before. But it's true. God, that's what resurrection is, is God saying, you know what, I'm proud of you. He's, he's like, to Jesus, I'm proud of you. But then to every single one of us, it's the same. I'm proud of you. Thanks for saying that. When something happens that reminds me of the new life that I have in Jesus, of who I used to be, like a while ago when Zach started talking and I just get overwhelmed with what that, that lyric, that sloppy wet kiss thing is really all about and the love of the Father and how great, how, how fantastic the love, the, fa- the, the love of the Father is for us and for me and how personal that is, I immediately think about resurrection. And I will, oftentimes I'll say something like, did somebody say resurrection? Like something new just happened. Somebody just got new. Man, we're talking about, by the way, if you haven't ever been baptized and you're interested, we're working on a baptism service coming up because we do have someone who is ready to be baptized. And every time I baptize somebody, I'm like, did somebody say resurrection? Because that's what it's all about. Because the resurrection of Jesus is central. So Jesus was arrested and put on trial. He... It was, it was done illegally. Actually, if you will look at the, the way the trials happened of that day of the culture of Jesus, it was an illegal trial that he was put on. He was framed. He was condemned. And he was sentenced to die. He was beaten by a Roman guard, the soldiers who were experts in torture. He, he was punched and spat upon. He was whipped with this device created to tear chunks of flesh from the skin. All of this... And he's sentenced like every person of cru- who was being crucified in Jerusalem was. They had to pull that, that crossbeam up on their shoulders, and they were paraded through town. And he's paraded through town, and there's a basically like people are mocking him and laughing. He had a crown made of long thorns shoved down on his scalp, and then he's nailed to this cross. And there's a sign, and it's, it's meant to be a mockery to make fun of him, put above him, king of the Jews. 
the cross is raised up where he would eventually die by suffocation. That's, that's how crucifixion, that's how you die. Eventually you can't hold yourself up there anymore and you suffocate and he died. For about three hours, the scriptures tell us, and there's even a historian who records that this happened. In the middle of the afternoon, the sky went dark and the people knew something significant was happening. In the middle of the afternoon, the skies went dark. The religious leaders continued to mock him, saying, Well, he saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. We'll let him come down, and if he comes down, we'll worship. We'll believe in him. And Jesus took his final breath, and he proclaimed, It is finished. It is accomplished. It is fulfilled. And there was an earthquake, it says. And in this earthquake, graves were opened, and people came out of them. We don't often talk about that part of the resurrection, or crucifixion and resurrection. But there's this part of the, the story where there's an earthquake, and people come out of the graves, and they're going like back to town. It says they went there until after the resurrection. They went home. Uncle Joe's knocking on the door, wanting that 20 you owe him. I mean, it's crazy stuff. And then there's this thing called the temple veil. It's this thick curtain that's been put in the temple to separate this place called the Holy of Holies. And, and, and this veil is like, it's considered like behind the veil is where the presence of God is. And nobody can go in there. The high priest, once a year, day of atonement. There's a whole big bunch of hoops you've got to jump through to get in there. But we are going to put this veil up. And this is where the presence of God is. And at the time of Jesus saying it is finished, the veil is torn from top to bottom. It just rips Nobody can rip it. Now, a human being cannot rip this, and it's ripped from top to bottom. One of the Roman guards there at the foot of the cross says, Surely, this is the Son of God. He sees all this happening and says, Surely, this is the Son of God. Those who followed Jesus had quit their jobs. They'd left their homes. They, they left their comfort zones behind. And now the dream is over? Is the moment... Here, and the movement is done. Is this what it was all for? Or did they really begin to understand what Jesus had been telling them? Because Jesus had been telling them this was going to happen. If we go back in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, he says, From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. So the writer of Hebrews says this, this happened, and it was God, the God of peace, who brought him up from the dead. It's the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus. He is risen. Well, one person remembered. He is risen. Yes. So the word indeed is an adverb, and, the, and it means this. It's used to emphasize a statement. It's used in, the word indeed is, is used to um, confirm something that's already been suggested. Jesus had already suggested he would die and already suggested he, that he would be resurrected, that he would be back out of the grave. And so when the followers made making this statement, Jesus is risen, he is risen indeed, they are in full agreement. Like, yes, this is it. It's a confirmation. Death did not have the final word. A corrupt system doesn't get the final say. When all seems dark and the evidence says it's over, just keep holding on because resurrection comes and proclaims it's not over. It's only just begun. That was true for Jesus. That was true for his earliest followers. That's true for us today. That's the promise of resurrection. Resurrection comes and says, it ain't over. It's just started. It's just begun.
Jesus is risen indeed. And why does Jesus matter? Because he completes the incomplete. Uh, I saw this movie a while back. Actually, I think we own it at home. It's called Johnny English. Has anybody seen Johnny English? Yes, yes. One, one person. Well, two, two people. Okay, so here's real short. Johnny English is this, um, he's like James Bond, 007 type spy, only he's played by Rowan Atkinson, who is Mr. Bean. Now, if you've ever seen Mr. Bean, he plays Mr. Bean basically being a spy. So he's bumbling, he's fumbling, he gets in all kinds of trouble. Everything happens. He thinks he's cool, but he's not, kind of like me. And he's just like, everything's a mess. And so the story is there's the villain, and the villain wants to become the king of England. So through the story, the villain gets the throne. He's got the scepter, but he's not yet been crowned king. There's something incomplete. And through this hilarious series of events, Johnny English falls into the throne and accidentally gets crowned the king of England. What was, what was incomplete has now been completed, and there was a new king. Have you ever felt incomplete? I certainly have. Like there's just something missing. Well, the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus, who, who he calls Lord Jesus, is the great shepherd and ratified eternal covenant with his blood. So in the history of Israel, they had this great king, the one, great, bunch of great kings, but this one king was considered the greatest. His name is King David. And what was David before he was a great king? A warrior. What was David before he was a warrior? Shepherd. A shepherd. Exactly. He was a shepherd. So the ancient shepherds lived among the sheep. The ancient shepherds would protect the flock from predators. They would seek the lost and heal the wounded. This is the kind of king Jesus is. He's a shepherd king, just like King David was. And the shepherd king leads the people for the good of the people. Lives with the people, stays with the people, brings healing to the people. And Jesus ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. Now, the first readers of, uh, of these words of Hebrews would understood this, this term covenant really well. Because there was a covenant referred to in the New Testament of scriptures as the first covenant or the old covenant. And this was an agreement signed in blood between God and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants. And in this agreement that was signed in blood, it basically said, I'll be your God, you'll be my people. A chosen people through which all nations of the world will be blessed. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that covenant. It's through Jesus that all the nations of the world can be blessed and are blessed. He's the fulfillment of the promise and the fulfillment of this first covenant. He took what was incomplete and makes it complete because Hebrews backwards to chapter 10 verse 9 says, He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. This is good news. We don't have to keep making sacrifices over and over and over again. The first covenant was a, tra a, a transitional covenant. The new covenant where Jesus makes us holy is a forever covenant. So Jesus completes what is incomplete. Jesus gives us a second chance and a new beginning. Have you ever wanted to do over? Maybe some of us are, are here this morning and there's, there's something, some part of our life. I mean, I really could use a do-over with that. I've been there. Jesus gives us a do-over with the Creator, with our Father, God. Jesus gives us a second chance and a new beginning. Did somebody say resurrection? Why does Jesus matter? Because he equips with intentional love. He equips with intentional love. I've been coaching soccer for a couple of years now, and I'm coaching soccer as a dad, not as a soccer coach who is a dad, but as a dad who's 
coaching soccer. That makes sense. You follow me? In other words, I'm not a big. I don't know all the stuff about soccer, but I'm te- I'm learning as I go and I'm teaching. And so we started off with these with kids last year that were eight and under, so six and seven year olds mostly. And mainly their their idea of what soccer is all about is how you coach them. You kick the ball and you run, kick and run, kick and run. But now we've moved up. Last This past season and this next season, we're in the, the, the next stage up where there has to be some intentionality to it. You can't just keep playing kick and run because you have to learn that there's actually plays. There's actually positions. There's actually you know, there's, there's, you know, ways to, to pass the ball correctly and ways you don't pass the ball. So you have to be intentional with it because no one's accidentally ever really learned how to play soccer the right way. It happens intentionally. Have you ever accidentally learned how to do something? Well, maybe you accidentally learned how to do something, but have you learned how to do something really well accidentally? It takes intention, right? So Jesus, this is how Jesus loves us. He loves us with an intentional love, and this intentional love of his equips us. So Hebrews tells us God wants to equip you all with all you need to do his will. It says, through the power of Jesus, through the power of resurrection, he produces in you every good thing that is pleasing to him. (sighs) The pressure's off. Take a breath. We wonder, how can we possibly please God? It says right here, when Jesus is in you, you have everything you need within you to please God. It's there. He's pleased. Jesus equips us to do his will. We have days when it seems impossible, though, to, to follow Jesus. We hear, like, because I'm a preacher, I say these things. Have the mind of Christ. Have, have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Love like Jesus. But they, they, they cut me off in traffic. But they disrespected me, but they, they took my parking spot, but, but they cut in line, but there's not enough cashiers, but they got my order wrong, but, but they gossiped about me, but they posted this about me online, but, 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 we can all have a big but, <laughs> right? It can be difficult to submit to God's will, but when we want this is why it can be difficult to submit, to submit to God's will, because we often want a God who submits to ours. That's why. And we learn, hey, I don't need a God that submits to my will. I need to learn to submit to his. It makes it, it, makes it easier, especially when you realize Jesus already is there. He already has given you everything you need within you to please God. It's easy to feel overwhelmed, though, but Jesus doesn't save us and then leave us to figure it out. This is good news. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that helps us follow him. This resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. I can't think of any more thing more powerful. One is dead and now back alive. Gets the same power he gives us to follow him. This is great news. Jesus equips us to do good for ourselves and for others. Because it's actually Him doing the good through us. We get, man, I just, I just can't seem to do good. I just can't be good. You know what? He does it through you. Take a breath. He equips with intentional love, and Jesus is intentional in His love for you, and His intent is to make it possible for you to do what pleases God. And what pleases God? Give me the list. Jesus said, there was this big list. I'm giving you a new command, a new list. Not to add to the old list. This, is, this basically covers the old list. This one list. John 13, 34. So now I'm giving you a new command. 
Not an add-on, but, but to cover all of them. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples. That's what pleases God. Love one another. Somebody asked me, well, what did y'all get out of doing that, that big Easter egg thing? Get. We didn't do it to get anything. We did it to give. We did it to love. Well, how much did that cost? Don't ask. <laughs> Don't ask. It, it, what it cost, it cost, it cost love. And it was covered. Absolutely, it was covered. The world needs this love. That's why Jesus said, this is the command. You guys, you want to follow me? you got to love each other the way I've loved you. Because this world needs this love. This morning is, is, is the, you know, look at the news if you haven't already seen it. I mentioned it in prayer a while ago in Sri Lanka. What's happened there this morning? The world needs reconciliation. The world needs unity. And this love of Christ is the reconciliation and the unity. It's found in no other place and no other name. This is why Jesus matters. So here at Awaken, we always want to kind of, kind of end our time together by encouraging each other to find our next step. Like every, every, there's always a next step, wherever you are in your walk with Christ. Um, no matter what your week has been before or what's coming up, there's a next step for you. So the question is, what is that next step for you? And, and a good way to think about it is, is there something that I need to think about? Is there, is there a new way of thinking? Is there, is there a th- something I've been thinking that I need a next step that God to lead me in? Or, or a feeling? Maybe there's something I've been feeling and I need a, my next step has to do with that feeling. Or maybe it's to do something. Maybe the next step is actually there's, some, there's, there's something, the next thing I need to do. Maybe it is that step of baptism. And if you've never been baptized and you're interested in that, you know, talk to me after, afterwards because we're already in the works of getting that set up. What is the next step that God would have you do? Lord, we love you. We thank you that, that you, took, uh, God, you, you, you took our, our, our need to give a sacrifice, our, our forgiveness of sin that required a sacrifice. You took that on Good Friday, or what we call Good Friday. And on the cross and the crucifixion, you, you got that covered. And we just want to thank you for that. That's, that's, a, that's a blessing. If that, was, if that was all you did, <laughs> we, we would still be meeting here and worshiping you. But it's not. If you didn't stay in the grave, you are risen indeed. But the first followers, you believed it so much that they were willing to die instead of say it didn't happen. And for 2,000 years, this story no one's ever been able to, to prove you did not raise from the grave. And so, Lord, it blows our mind. But, Lord, so does your love and the reality of who you are. You love us just like we are. Mess, stains, and all. <laughs> and you love us all too much to leave us there. No matter how long we've been following you, if we're not even following you now, you love us right where we are and too much to leave us the same way we are. Because we're all on this journey and every step we grow a little bit. So Lord, increase our love. May we love each other the way you've loved us. May we love our neighbor the way you've loved us, not just as ourselves, but the way you loved us, sacrificially, selflessly, inclusively. You've loved us. So Lord, may we love one another with this same love. Now God, as we continue to worship, but may this in this moment of prayer that you just lead every single one of us into understanding what our next step could be. 
Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.